I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Back in 1830, Dublin Zoo was founded as a private society and opened its doors to the public for a penny on Sundays in 1840. Since then, Dublin Zoo has survived the famine years, war, economic hardship and a pandemic to become Ireland's leading visitor attraction and one of the most progressive zoos in the world with internationally acclaimed education, conservation and breeding programmes. This year marks a special occasion because the zoo celebrates its 190th anniversary. And here to tell us more about the history of the zoo is Dublin and Dublin Zoo is a lady who has written numerous wonderful books about its history uh, containing substantial detail on day-to-day running of the the Zoological Society, the gardens and events and periods of particular importance ranging from major purchases of animals and inevitable deaths to many festive occasions. I'm delighted to be joined now by historian and author Catherine de Corsi. She's on the line with me now. How are you doing, Catherine? Uh, good morning, Shane. Very good indeed. Now, 190 years of Dublin Zoo, that is some milestone. I remember actually we were working on another show at the time uh, and we actually interviewed you for the 180th anniversary celebrations and here we are for the 190th. So you have an international reputation as a historian of quite a few zoos and writing about a few, few zoos, not just Dublin Zoo. Where does your interest in the history behind zoos come from? Oh, it, it was actually chance, luck and chance. I found myself in Melbourne in 1988 um, and I was working there but hadn't got a great, hadn't really connected in with the local community. So I approached University of Melbourne to see if I could do a master's degree in history and at the same time Melbourne Zoo approached them to find out if they could, if they had a graduate student who might be interested in writing a history of Melbourne Zoo. There's very little academic interest in zoos. So I said yes um, even though I knew virtually nothing about Melbourne Zoo itself or much about the history of Australia. But the connections between Melbourne and Dublin are quite extraordinary. Two of the founders of Melbourne Zoo were actually members of the Zoological Society of Ireland in the 1840s. And I didn't know that until I came back to Ireland and started researching the history of Dublin Zoo. So what happened, I stayed in Australia for about 15 years and there was a lot of call to write about histories about, to write about the Australian zoos and it just took off from there um, so I, I have an academic interest in 19th century institutions but the zoos have, have come to dominate my interest in that regard Oh yeah and I can imagine it's a fascinating history you know I mean like as I mentioned there in the introduction set up in 1830 uh, you know then you know I, I, it was kind of exclusively initially for the this private society the Zoological Society before it be, kind of became uh, open to the public and kind of what we know today what what can you tell us about the early years? 
Well, that, that was the way zoos were set up. So what you would have had was a group of people who would have put their own money into it. They would have put their, all of their effort into it and then they would have uh, gathered the animals. Um, now, some of them were anatomists, surgeons, physicians, doctors. So their interest in some part lay in, in studying the animals. But there was also a huge interest in the 1830s in public education because it was a time when they were stamping out cruelty to animals. There was a huge move to end cruelty towards animals. So um, one of the founders, Philip Crampton, believed that if people got to know the animals, um, they, they would appreciate them and they wouldn't be cruel to them. And um, so, so the early days in Dublin, they allowed the public in, but it was expensive. So it was really for the friends of members. And uh, in, then in 1840, they allowed the general public in for a penny. But London Zoo, which Dublin Zoo was sort of modelled on, that was also founded in part by an Irishman, London Zoo was, um, they, London Zoo didn't let the public in at all until 1847 and then they didn't let the public in on Sundays at all till the Second World War. So it was an idea that it was a society zoo, a sort of scientific sort of place, but Dublin Zoo opened it up very quickly. Um, but um, there was, they had about four acres back in the day. So that wow. was, if you know Dublin Zoo, <laughs> it's near Houghton House, the, the lawn, the old lawn there by Houghton House. So it was only four acres. Then it was, the lake was the boundary. Um, but, and they wouldn't have had a, a huge number of animals, but they had enough to make a good day out. But um, it was quite easy to get across the lake at the, where the sea lion pond is now, where the sea lion cove is now. So when the zoo was closed, the locals would just come in anyway to, okay, to have a look. To have a yeah. look. I love it. And you know, you yeah. said you said there obviously the, the very small plot and it's grown so so much. Uh, you mentioned um, uh, about the the lake there, and apparently this lake used to freeze over quite a bit, and people used to be able to ice skate on it. Isn't that right? It, apparently, there was some of the best ice skating in all of Dublin on that lake. And it was one of the reasons why we, we uh, Dublin Zoo got the fence on the far side was because when it froze over, people either came skating or they just came across to the zoo. And so did the animals. I mean, the, the problem was the other, you know, deer, wild deer might come across and, 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 and meander around the zoo. But um, the, 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 the lake, the, the ice was so good that they, when they fenced it off, the zoo was able to charge uh, people to come and skate on the lake. But... And, and it was very well looked after. It was brushed and there were, you know, there were big, um, they had bonfires by the side of the lake and they provided refreshments. But then inevitably, of course, the ice would crack on at least two occasions in the 1860s. People fell into, ended up in the water. On one occasion, something like 17 or 18 people ended up in the water. And the lake is quite deep yeah. near the entrance. Um, so everybody was hauled out and as as one comment in the in the minutes put it, brought back to life and given hot drinks and sent home. So they then got ladders and uh, uh, life jackets and things like that. But the the ice skating continued up till 1963. Wow! Um, and that was the last time there was public ice skating. And then since then, the zoo the keepers wouldn't allow the ice, you know, because the yeah. animals might walk there and because there's so much more um, free access for the animals they're on the islands and so on that they wouldn't that they've just they would break the ice before it would freeze. So okay, um, yeah. So they had to they had to think safety out. first. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Now there was a lot of things. Let's just say, Catherine, they're kind of were of their time. I mean, at one stage, people could ride on elephants, something that you would never see today. Isn't that right? 
Well, you, you don't see it in, 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 you certainly don't see it in Ireland, you don't yeah. see it in Western Europe, you don't see it, it's too dangerous, it's mm. actually too dangerous. I mean, you, you still, there will be still zoos around the world which will allow you to ride in an elephant. We stopped it officially in 1961, um, and conti- but it continued on unofficially through the 60s. And that's where, if, if it was a special day, like your birthday or first communion or something, and uh, Jimmy Kenny, the, the, the famous uh, elephant keeper, knew you, or you know, knew, saw you there in your communion outfit with your veil and the whole lot, he'd, he'd allow you to sit on Cumley, the young elephant. So he'd throw, I, that's how I got a ride in the elephant when I, back you then. You got one? Oh, fantastic. I did, yeah. And I, I remember to this day, he threw a grey blanket and sat me up on her neck, on Cumley's neck, and I could remember the feel of her skin and she meandered around her yard under his control but of course I was I wasn't I didn't even see him I was just hanging on hanging on hard I <laughs> so think so oh, that is a so <laughs> memory to have Catherine what a wonderful memory to have uh, now before I, I this could be kind of a rumour now maybe you might know a bit about this because the zoo became renowned for their lions and there's a rumour that the MGM lion uh, is Irish could this lion possibly have been connected to Dublin Zoo do you think? Well, there is so much interest in that story that a, a film crew actually went to America to try and find the bones of the original MGM lion so that we could do some ancient DNA testing to see if it was a Dublin lion. Because it's actually possible that the first MGM lion was a Dublin lion. Because we sold, we, we were famous. Dublin was famous for its lions. They went all over the world. I, I came across them first in Australia. And during the, during the First World War, the Australian soldiers who were taking R&R, some recreational leave from the continent, came to Dublin specifically to see Dublin Zoo's lions because they had seen them in their Australian zoos. But the MGM lion, we sold some lions to a showman um, in the, before 1919 and uh, some male lions. And it is very possible that one of those was the first MGM lion. But where the rumours would have started was in 1947, MGM came over to take some photos to check out whether Stephen the Lion might work as their new logo. I think they've had about four or five logos in all of their time. And so they took photos. It went into the newspapers. MGM is checking out Stephen to see if he'd be our, their new logo, but he was never used. Oh. So I think, so. but it's within the realms of possibility. They, around the same time, in the late 40s, they wanted to use Dublin's Lions for their film Quo Vadis. Oh. So, yeah, so, so it's, but... Dublin wouldn't allow our lions to be transferred over to wherever the film set was, I think, in Italy or whatever. Okay, um, but there is, yeah. because of the, the, the rumour, there's some uh, merit to this rumour, which I love. That's fantastic. Um, now, over the years, the zoo has survived and overcome many challenges from war and famine times to the present day with the pandemic. Like, it's it's marvellous to see how it has overcome such huge challenges down through the years. Well, I, I, I firmly believe that this is because they threw the zoo open for a penny on Sundays in 1840, because there's such a close connection, a close bond between, particularly Dubliners, but Irish people, between the visitors and the zoo. Um, there's a real affection for the zoo. And um, the, the last year has been especially trying, because the previous times, foot and mouth, the zoo was closed for nine nice. weeks. Nice. And during uh, 1916, it was closed for two weeks. It, during the famine, it didn't actually close, but there were very few animals there and they didn't feed them any food. There was nothing there that could eat food that a human could eat. 
Um, but then the 1850s it picked up. And um, I think the, the extraordinary uh, fundraising in November, it was such a, a real vote of confidence for oh, what the yeah. zoo is doing. Because the, the, the particularly with you know with the zoo television program, with all the mm-hmm. the work that the zoo is doing, with all of the incredible ad- education programs, there's a real you know there's a real connection, there's a, a, a you know a real bond I think and affection for Dublin Zoo. Oh, there really visitors. is, and yeah. it was lovely to see that huge, huge amount of money that was raised for the zoo, and as you mentioned there, rightly so, we do have such a huge connection and, and love for it. Now you've written the book, as I mentioned, which is a fabulous book, uh, the illustration. Of, of, of Dublin's history, Dublin Zoo's history, and you had an, a new edition of this book. Um, what new material has made it into the book? Because obviously the history is going to keep going on. Well, what, what we did with the new edition, because everything has changed in the last ten years. The the, the, the body of knowledge, the, the knowledge, people's knowledge of what's going on behind the scenes in Dublin Zoo has just grown phenomenally in the last ten years, largely thanks to the Zoo TV program and all the other work going on behind the scenes. So. For, in 2009, there was no history of Dublin Zoo. So that history was a summary history from, from 1830 up to date. But in the, the, the new history we've got, first of all, about 50% of the illustrations are new. And that is because so many more became available, were digitised in the National Library. We found a great stash of photographs from the early 20th century in the Royal College of Surgeons. And we also organised... Um, Facebook, a Facebook competition for people to send in photographs of themselves in the oh, zoo. Brilliant. And we got photographs going back to 1930 and oh. I then contacted the people whose photographs we could use and got fabulous stories. And in one way they're ordinary stories, but in another way they're, 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 they're just they build, you know, the, the sense of who and what who the visitors are. For example, in 1830, the, 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 uh, the, the, the visitor who's now in his 90s told me that he used to bring mice in to Dublin Zoo for the keepers to feed uh, some wow. of the, the animals. And um, he, he got a kestrel in exchange. And he went on to found the Irish Kestrel Society. No and there way. was somebody else who told me the story about how the, the keepers in the lion house used to keep him whiskers from the, from the lions. <laughs> so it was a big thing is, you know, would we get the whiskers? I had no idea of those stories. Oh, so and they definitely belong to a certain time. You won't be picking up whiskers. No, <laughs> in now. As a souvenir, <laughs> in the souvenir shop, I don't think so, no. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, to celebrate the 190 years of the zoo, they are running a really lovely competition where they've selected memories from the zoo and they want us to vote for them, don't they? Tell us about this competition. Yeah. So what, what, what we've done is we've picked some highlights from the last 100, 190 years and then people can go and I suppose it's how they, you know, on the one hand there will be obvious things like, you know, the, the opening of the zoo, but then, but then, you know, there's the birth of Budai and of the, the birth of Asha, the first Asian elephant and that was the, really the beginning of the elephant herd as we know it. So it's really to, how, you know, what, what are your favourite moments or what are your favourite points in the history? Um, and I, I vote on those uh, and then they'll bring out the top 10 or the top 12, you know, the, in order of um, moments oh, in, yeah. in the zoo's history. And, and yeah. there's a nice annual pass up for grabs for a family, which is fantastic great. as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really great. Catherine, it's been wonderful and so fascinating speaking with you about the history of Dublin Zoo. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me on the show today. I, I really appreciate it and, and really enjoyed the chat with you. My pleasure, Sinead. Thank you.